The scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And this morning we'll be focusing on what is often known as the parable of the Great Supper from verses 15 through 24. And we will read Luke 14 beginning at verse 7. Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 7. So he, that is Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back, and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just." Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground that I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper." And this far the reading of God's holy word. Dear congregation, in the last chapter, chapter 13, the Lord Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a grain of mustard seed and to leaven or, or yeast in, in a loaf. 
And he said, just like the, the mustard seed starts small and then grows to a large plant, or like the, the yeast starts in a small place and then travels through the whole loaf until the whole loaf is, is leavened. He says, this is how the kingdom of God also spreads in the world. And this parable here also is a picture of how the kingdom of God is spreading throughout the whole world through the gospel. It begins in a small place. It began in a small place with the, the Jews, the Israelites, and it's spreading through the whole world. And just after Jesus finished telling this first parable, showing how humility and service are so crucial to the gospel, it, it seems that the guests at the table did not really understand what he was saying. And in verse 15, we read what one of them said. Verse 15 says, Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. This man, either he assumed himself to be in the kingdom of God or would be, or simply remarking about it, but the, Jesus uses this as an opportunity to tell this next parable and to teach them of the importance of believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Jewish leaders, we know, were not receptive to the Lord Jesus and to his gospel. They rejected Christ. And still they were expecting to partake of the kingdom of God. But the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, one of the rulers, he said in John 3, you must be born again if you will see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus here is saying, and he's teaching that those who receive the gospel by faith and in humility shall be saved. That is how you enter the kingdom of God. And that's how the kingdom grows. But those who reject the gospel, reject the only way of salvation, reject the only way into the kingdom of God and will not enter. And so with this, the Lord Jesus is making us ask the question, who of us enter the kingdom of God? And that depends on what we do with this invitation. And so our theme this morning is the extent of the gospel invitation. The extent of the gospel invitation. And our first thought is we see that the gospel preparation the gospel preparation. In verse 16, we read, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. When there's a wedding, you know how the couple or maybe yourselves have experienced this, how you, you think about who you want to invite. You begin to make those preparations and and then when the time comes, you send out the invitations. Now, in this culture especially, they not only had the invitation at the time of the meal, of the supper, but also well in advance, they let the people know this is coming up. They gave them a pre-notice to save the date. And when Jesus says here, a certain man gave a great supper, he's again referring to God as the host, and the supper is, is the gospel. The gospel that the Lord provides. Now this supper is not the final marriage feast of the Lamb, that will be in the kingdom of heaven, but this is the gospel feast. 
to which you and everyone who hears is now invited. And when all things are ready for this feast, God sends out his servants to invite the people to the supper. And so this is a supper that is prepared by God through Jesus Christ. And just like with the wedding reception, all you have to do is come. Everything is provided for you. Everything is there. God provides everything that a sinner needs for salvation. And the planning for this feast already began in eternity. In a council of peace between God the Father and God the Son, where they determined to save sinners. And the preparations were being made in time. Where all of history, you can see how the history has been designed around the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring salvation for sinners. And in the Old Testament, the prophets were sent then with that word to tell them that this is being prepared, to let them know that this banquet is being arranged by God for them. And God was preparing the world for Jesus Christ to come, for the Messiah to come, who would remove God's wrath against sin and who would provide eternal life and who would reconcile the world with God. And so all of the Old Testament shows our need for this mediator, for a Savior, for a Deliverer, for a King, because we cannot keep this law. And it shows us that this law is something that we, we cannot keep, and therefore we need the Messiah who will fulfill the law on our behalf. We know that we cannot pay for our sins after we have broken this law, therefore we need a mediator to stand between us and God, one to, to take away our sin. We know that we cannot deliver ourselves from the power of our sin. We need a deliverer to deliver us. And so all these things in the Old Testament are, are showing how God is providing for sinners in, this, in, in, in preparing this feast. And then we see in the second place, the first gospel invitation. Because it says, then at the supper time, the invitations were sent out to say, Come, for all things are now ready. When everything was ready for that feast, when everything's ready for the wedding, when the hall is, is set up and the food is prepared and all the tables are set out, the invitations are, are ready, the servants are there ready to serve, then the guests can arrive. They've been notified that it was coming up, so here's the time, here's a, the place to show up. And in the Old Testament, that same gospel was being revealed. But it was like the preparations were, were still being made. Everything was looking forward to that day. But when Christ came, then everything was ready. And then the call went out, come, for all things are now ready Tell the invited guests that now they can come, they can arrive. And the Jews received this invitation first. They were the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. They were the preferred guests, so to speak. They knew that this supper was being planned. They had been told for many years. Every sacrifice that they would bring to the temple reminded them that, that God was sending the Messiah to be the sacrifice for sins. They were reminded that they could not come to God except through the blood of the Lamb, that Lamb that had to be without blemish and without spot. And then Christ was born. 
king of the Jews, born of the house of Israel. And Christ himself even began to invite him. When he began to preach, he began to say, repent and believe the gospel because the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, come, for all things are now ready. He began to say, you are now invited to God through Jesus Christ, because here is where you find your forgiveness. Here is where you find salvation, eternal life, and reconciliation with God. And then thirdly, we see the gospel rejection. Because Jesus says this gospel, this invitation was rejected. Verse 18 says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. They all had one thing in common, excuses. The first one came and said he bought a piece of land and he had to go see it. You don't go see a land after you bought it, you see it before you buy it. The next one said, I have five teams of oxen I need to go try out. Well, you don't try out oxen at night when likely the the feast is being had, and you also don't buy oxen without looking at them first. And so they said, please have me excused. And the third one was more bold. He says, I've been married. I can't come. He doesn't even ask to be excused. He simply says he won't come instead of bringing his wife. And so the Jews unanimously reject the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. John says, he came to his own, and his own received him not. It wasn't because he never had an invitation. That's what Paul says in Romans 10. Have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. God's servants, Ezekiel, said, Turn, turn unto the Lord, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Isaiah said, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. They had the invitation. But Paul says they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. The Pharisees were very zealous, very religious. They prided themselves and being the chosen people of God. And thereby they assumed that they would be eating in the kingdom of God. But they lacked that humility to come through Christ, through the gospel. Just like they picked the best seats there at the the wedding feast, or the, the meal time in the first section here, they would also try to rely on their own righteousness, their own good works, thinking that could make them acceptable in the sight of God. They exalted themselves, very religious outwardly, but they rejected the only way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so that leaves them still unregenerated, unsaved, unreconciled with God, and outside of the kingdom of God. And when Christ came, they had all sorts of excuses. They did not want salvation on His terms. They did not prepare for that feast to come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, but their their life was built around their own pleasures, around their own businesses, their land, their oxen, and their own social circles, their, their marriages. They focused on their own external life. And so this parable here is showing how the gospel first was sent to the Jews, 
but they rejected this Messiah. Jesus himself in Luke 13, the last chapter, in, in, in verse 34, he says, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. The Jews rejected the Lord Jesus. And that leaves us fairly distant from that accusation, doesn't it? But this is something for us as well. A picture for us who have been raised under the gospel preaching. Since Christ came, His servants have been going out into the world saying, Come, for all things are now ready. You've received the invitation to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to Him for life and for salvation, for eternal life and forgiveness. But we have excuses. What excuses have we had all our life? Maybe even some up till today. What is the reason that we are not trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus. But then we see, fourthly, the gospel expansion to all Israel. Because in verse 21, the servant returned to the host and told him that the invited guests would not come. It says there, then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor the maimed, the lame, and the blind. So here we see a second invitation now being sent to the streets and the lanes of the city. The, the gospel is being extended directly now to, to the poor and to the needy. They bypass the religious leaders. And, and they go directly to the despised people, to the tax collectors, to, to the sinners, to the, to the prostitutes, to the outcasts of society. And they call them. And Jesus preached to the people, it says, and they heard him gladly. But the Pharisees, they continued to accuse Christ. In Luke 15, the first couple of verses there, it says they accused him of receiving sinners and eating with them. But what does Jesus say? He says, bring them in. Bring in the poor who have nothing to offer for their own righteousness and nothing to present to God except sin. Bring in the maimed, those who are crippled, who cannot walk with that, in that perfect obedience to God's law. Because that's what we are spiritually, crippled. We cannot obey God's law. Bring in the lame, those who are paralyzed, those who, who can't even find the legs to walk to Christ, to come to Christ in own strength. Those who cannot save themselves, who don't know how to save themselves. Bring in the blind, the blind who cannot see the way of salvation. The blind who cannot see the love of God in Christ Jesus. The blind who cannot... See what God has provided here in the gospel. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, to the needy, to the sinners. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. He came to give recovery of sight to the blind. And even after Christ ascended into heaven, the apostles went throughout the regions that they were scattered preaching the gospel to none except the Jews. Acts, 19, or Acts 11, verse 19 says, And many of them heard him gladly. Many turned to the Lord. Many found healing. Many found forgiveness. But the host says, there's still room. Fifthly, 
the gospel expansion now to the world. Because the kingdom of God is not limited to the Jewish nation. Verse 22 says, And a servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there's still room. There is still room with Christ for lost sinners. There is still room for spiritually blind and crippled and paralyzed souls who need a Savior. There is still room for you here today in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is much greater than just the nation of Israel. His gospel goes to the ends of the world. Is that what you need to hear today? Is that what you've come here to find today? Is that what your heart's been craving for all your life? See, until the end of verse 21, this parable had been dealing with the past and, and, this, that, and, and the present dealings with Israel up to where the Lord was. But now it's looking even to the future of the world. And the third invitation then goes beyond the walls of Israel, beyond the nation of Israel to the world. In verse 23, you can read, The master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. In Mark 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When the disciples would be witnesses to Christ, it said, beginning in Jerusalem and to all Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the world. And he says, compel them. Go to the nations that have never heard of the, of the tender love and the compassion of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Compel them by the mercies of God to come to flee from the wrath of God, to flee from the eternal destruction that awaits everyone who dies without Christ. Invite them to come under this free righteousness of Christ whereby they can be saved and covered in the presence of God. And there's still room even today. And this world still exists because God is still providing the salvation for sinners. This gospel banquet is still set out in its fullness. Heaven is not yet filled and no seat will be left empty. 33,000 people this past week entered eternity in Turkey at least. How many of them knew of this Lord Jesus Christ? You knew it. You know it. Well, you have to stand there in eternity beside those 33,000 who have not heard of Christ while you did. Is there a difference between us and them? God calls even to you today to hear. Everything has been prepared by God for sinners like you and me. And what holds us back? What holds us back? What excuses do we still hold in our hands if we have not come to Christ? What in this world is worth more to us than what God provides in Jesus Christ? And so, <clears throat> and so God here urges you to repent even today. Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord, His wrath and judgment against your sin must be dealt with now before eternity. 
As Romans 10 says, Christ is the end of law, end of the law for the righteousness to everyone who believes. God provides the righteousness of Christ. You cannot keep the law. You cannot undo the sins you have done in your life. You cannot pay for those past sins. But here God comes and He says, here is the righteousness of Christ who has obeyed this law perfectly. He has laid down His life on the cross to pay for that sin. And now God comes to you in the hedges and in the highways and He finds you in your sins and He says, come. And He urges you and He says, come. And He compels you and invites you. He says, come. Whatever it takes, if I have to grab you by the collar of your neck and say, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and lay down at His his feet and at His cross and say, Lord, here's my sins. I cannot get rid of them myself, but will thou wash them all away? God says, come. Compel them. And He says, all who turn to the Lord, all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Have you done this? Your sins, no matter how big they are, no matter how long of a list you can draw up, no matter how great, how, 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 how filthy in the eyes of the world even they are, they'll be covered in the righteousness of Christ. They'll be washed clean in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that God will see you through the righteousness of Christ to see nothing but perfection, holiness, beauty in Christ alone. That is where you hide from the shelter of God's wrath. That's where you find God's favor. That's where you find God's love. That's where you're adopted into His family as if you had never committed any sin before in your life. And Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was pleading with you. We beseech you, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God today. Come to this banquet where God has set out everything you need. When you go to a wedding, you don't bring anything with you. You come and you sit down and you're served. And that's what the picture is here. You come at the feet of Christ. You sit down and you're served by grace through faith. Christ here died for the ungodly. But here we see the Jews assumed they were already in, that they already had a spot reserved at God's table but they did not realize it required faith in Christ. They did not have that humility to lay down their own lives before Christ. They were filled with their own pride, with their own self-righteousness, with their own self-confidence. And so we see lastly the gospel inclusion and the gospel exclusion. Jesus says in verse 23, compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. The only people who will be excluded from the kingdom of God are those who reject God and His invitation. The invitation is not restricted. It's not limited. It's for everyone who hears. And then Jesus makes clear that, but that no one who rejects this gospel will be able to enter in the kingdom of God. If you do not receive Christ by faith in this invitation to this gospel, you will not enter the kingdom of God. He said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Mark 16 says, he that believes and is baptized shall 
be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. Jesus had to say in John 5 that you will not come to me that you might have life. He says the fault lies in those who reject Christ. These Pharisees assumed that they had a place. And sometimes we can assume that we have a place in the kingdom of God without coming through the Lord Jesus Christ. We place our, our salvation, we base it on something else, either because we're in a Christian family or because we belong to a church or because of the good things that we do. But no, it is through Christ alone. Having this invitation is not the same as entering into the kingdom of heaven, as this man assumed in verse 15. Having this gospel invitation is not the same as enjoying the benefits of Christ by faith. And so we must be a partaker of the gospel through faith in Christ to enter. You want to see then, how does Jesus describe the people who rejected the gospel? Well, the ones who rejected the invitation are described by what hinders them, by what in this world hindered them from coming. It was that land that they owned. It was their work or the tools that distracted them, that called them away. It was their, it was their wedding, their, even, even their wife, even the good gifts of God that, that distracted them and pulled them away from, from God. It was the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It was the focus in this life rather than on God who gives life and who gives every good gift. And these are all excuses because none of this can really hinder us from coming to God through Christ. But it reveals where our heart is. It is bent away from God. It is at enmity with God by nature. And there's no desire for God. And that is why we need God that's why we need this deliverer. That's why we need this Savior. But those who focus on these temporal things will come to nothing. And Jesus says, I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. The gospel is rejected by the self-sufficient, but it is gladly received by the poor and helpless. And Jesus describes who they are, the ones who receive the gospel. You may wonder, who, who is it? And he describes them here by not what hinders them, but, but who they are, by what they are. In, in verse 21, he, he calls them the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. These are the weary. These are the lost. These are the heavy laden for whom Christ has come. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Lord Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you fear, well, may I'm not good enough to enter heaven. Well, it's for you especially that this invitation is given. The poor, the needy, welcome. By the grace of God, He makes us recognize who we are and what we need. And to see that in Christ, all our needs are provided and met. And he says, now there is still room. He says, and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. 
Christ is showing the Pharisee that He is the Son of God, the promised Messiah that was said to be coming throughout all history. And He says, this is my house, this is my kingdom, and there's still room for you there today. He's even telling the Pharisee there's still room, but if you reject the gospel, you cannot enter. But these doors stand wide open for everyone, so that my house may be filled. Christ's kingdom will be filled with people from all over the world, from every nation who have turned to the Lord. And that is how his kingdom grows, and that is how his house will be filled with guests. Will you be there? Amen.